House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run Podcast. House of Run at gmail.com is our email address. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Jason Halpin. This is episode number 592. We're recording this on Saturday evening for a couple reasons. One, Jason is leaving to go on vacation tomorrow. Two, so many things happened in the track and field world today that we didn't want to wait any longer. And three, we're going to recap the Bucks game one victory. But it didn't happen. They lost. So I'm in a bad spot right now, Jason. My mood would have been much better had our Bucks, the official basketball team for the playoffs of this podcast, pulled it out. Instead, they got stomped. So a little disappointed. Um, but we have a lot of good track to talk about. So I'm going to try to use this as a distraction from our NBA woes. Yeah, I, I'm going to Cancun tomorrow. Um, so you're, you're, I said, Hey, you can get a, co- a different co-host for the week or we can record <laughs> early. I, I said, I gave you those options. He said, Oh, we're recording early. Come on. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, we're gonna have to record Saturday night. And in just the opposite of the history of this show, everything happened right, right. before the episode. <laughs> it, was... it, it It's never, ever happened this way. Um, instead it was just like, okay, we'll have a couple things to talk about. And then Saturday was like, no, here you go. Is that not enough? How about some more? <laughs> what if I told one... you Shelly and Fraser Price just <laughs> reset everything? Like it's just it's fantastic. Yeah, it was we were texting throughout, like, oh, let's add this, let's talk about that. And then it just kept going and going to the point where I'm glad it's happening right now, despite my somber mood. I can't go any farther though without making some sort of joke about the fact that you just said Cancun. Do you think you'll see LeBron there? <laughs> well, you know, I since uh, you know, both of us got eliminated from the playoffs <laughs> early. Um, or never made the playoffs. <laughs> so the thing for me is, don't get me wrong, I'm rooting hard for the Bucks. You know, they didn't shoot the well, shoot the ball well today. It's a minor blip. They'll, they'll come back, win game two, take it home, 1-1. One, one. That's, that's all you really want, right? You, on the road, you, sure. you take the split so you can win your home games. But the Lakers lost. And... Mm-hmm. Like pretty pretty handily in Game Six too, so I'm still kind of riding high from that. Like, I, as much as I'm rooting for my Bucks, um, the Lakers are out, and I am the playoffs were a success. So for the people overseas or who don't follow basketball, who don't understand, the joke is when a team's on the verge of elimination, the chant in the huddle is one, two, three, Cancun, or even at the end of the season when they're already out of contention, and Jason's going to Cancun pretty much the opportune time to see an NBA team that's just been bounced. So keep your eyes open, Jason. You might be you might be walking around and be like, wait a minute, is that Contavious Caldwell Pope over there? Could be. I, I might end up playing him in like slam ball or whatever that one with the trampoline and the ball is. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm is that Alex to go. Caruso over there <laughs> at the swim-up bar? Oh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be it would make it so much better for you that it would be the Lakers that you'd be seeing. It would just be Oh, my God. I would have to get, like, I'd switch my Amazon shipping to that hotel so I could get Suns gear just flown in <laughs> immediately. Shelly and Fraser Price, I saw this tweet, 
I saw it popping up on the timeline, 1063. Again, it was a, nah, it's got to be a typo. Yep. That can't be right. Shelly and Fraser Price did it, though, in Jamaica, in the first round, in the morning. This was early. You probably yeah. weren't even awake yet because I was just getting my bearings. And she breaks, obviously, a barrier that she had yet to break in the, in her career, which that 1070 was a mark that rarely has been messed with in history. Yes. And then she drops it all the way down to 63, right? So she goes 1070, her PB, which goes back all the way to 2012. She'd run a 1071 in the Doha final. But I got to admit, I thought her days, I know she had talked about her dream as, you know, running in the 10 sixes and she had talked about it enough. A lot of athletes talk. I thought her days of running that fast were over. I thought maybe she could recapture Doha, but knocking off another eight tenths, I definitely thought she was still going to be a factor, could win gold this year. But just her time for posting an all-time mark was past. That's just what I assumed. And she goes out and she drops 1063, which that in and of itself is just jaw-dropping. So only Flojo is now ahead of her on the all-time list. To quote our friend Nick Sicardi of NBC Olympic Talk. Shelly and Fraser Price is Usain Bolt without the world records. Yep. Right? All those medals for all those years, but she never really had the opportunity to get a world record because it was so far out of reach. Now, she's still way far from, from 1049, but that was always my mindset with her. It's like, we cannot judge Shelly and Fraser Price's career based on just Mark's alone and does she ever get the world record it's not the right way to judge it but now that she does this she just moves the goat conversation <laughs> firmly i mean if there was any ever any question whoever comes next is gonna have a mighty mighty tall order you are a shelly and fraser price start stand it's fair to say you stand as the kids say shelly and fraser price's start what did you think of this one yeah i I mean, she's so incredible, obviously. So it's just like, like I said, she she's normally, she's not a bad starter, but she's not like this crazy great starter, at least consistently. But she got out of the block so fast on this one. And I guess that's, I mean, that's not seven tenths, obviously, but like it's, mm-hmm. or seven one hundredths. I mean, it's, it's, but she was f- just so far ahead right away. And then we know just how much she just dominates like the middle and the end of the race. I mean, watch it. I still wouldn't have guessed 1063 because, you know, one person ever has run faster than that. So, right. uh, yeah, she's just, I mean, I remember we were blown away in 2019 mm-hmm. when she was reeling off 10 sevens. Cause we thought at that point, those times were behind her a little bit, right? Like we're like, Hey, she still might be the best in the world, but I don't know if she's like a 10, seven, Oh, 10, seven, one runner anymore. Yeah. And then she did it because she's the goat and that's what you do when you're the goat. Um, but to, yeah, to do this and just to drop that, that massive PR, um, I'm glad. I think we both were still aboard as amazing as Shakari went started the season. Mm-hmm. We, I think we, we were both like, I can't, it's Shelly and Fraser price because she's Shelly and Fraser price and it's Olympic year. I'm not gonna quite jump, jump off board yet. And, uh, you I'm glad on. I didn't because she's, yeah, she's she's a 
I mean, the no question favorite. She was the favorite because she just proves it over and over. But you dropped ten sixty three, and I'm not expecting her to just keep continue dropping ten sixes necessarily. But like, no. I mean, there's no reason she can't be, you know, ten sevens. Like, I mean, she she did it three times in 2019. Yeah. Um, you know, she'd run ten eight this year. Like, it, it, she's just I don't know when she's not gonna be great, but it's it's gonna be a while. She's 34 years old. And she had settled into that 10-7 low range. And that's why I thought, oh, okay, I don't think we're going to see another outlier performance. You always talk about that, right, with, say, the men's forming hurdles, for example. It's like Warholm or Benjamin eventually is going to crack a big one. And yeah. there's going to be a big jump on the record. They're going to catch that day when the competition, the conditions, and everything else, and their training line up perfectly for them. But I had thought, okay, well – her 10 sevens now are serving sort of as those outlier performances, just age adjusted. Right. But boy, was I completely wrong. This was it. You're right about what these will, I'm, I hasten to say this because the trials are coming up and the whole season is in front of us, but it would not surprise me if we end the season with Frazier Price's season best being this and Richardson's being 1072. We're, yeah. we're, we're going to get a great season out because of it. Because those but, are insane times. Yeah, exactly. Just being able to capture whatever was present on those two days is going to be difficult. Now, Richardson's gotten really close to that time a couple times, right? She's run 1074. She's run 1077. But I said with Frazier Price, remember uh, in that opener that she ran in, in Gateshead? I said, hmm. she, what did she get, fourth or something? I mean, it was a horribly windy yeah. day. And I said, but she's like in range. And then she went to Doha and she ran, what did she run, 1084 in Doha, feeling a little bit better. Again, I, didn't, I don't want to say I saw 1063 coming. But it's weird because I thought after Richardson did her 10-7 party, I thought, okay, the narrative all year is going to be somewhat similar to 2015 for the men where you have a person you can't imagine losing right being in the mix as they always are but running slower throughout the regular season than another person but the question that would loom would be well can they do it on the day can they do it at the biggest moment i thought that would have been the story but fraser price just <laughs> obliterated that <laughs> narrative because now she ran almost a full tenth faster than Richardson. So she's going to go in, assuming everybody stands pat until the tri- Olympics, which there's not a guarantee that'll happen. But Fraser Bryce would go into the Olympics now, Jace, with the best time in, in the field and all of the experience and all the medals. So it would be very hard to pick against her. Yeah, I'm just looking at her Tila's page right now. and, and to, I mean, she ran 10-7 back in 2008. And she's just ran ten six for the first time in twenty twenty one. That just seems seems insane. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I just I mean, she's she's the best. And I hope Shakari, like, you know, she was in that slow slower race as well, and then she had to pull out of a race, but like I, I she's still incredible and I hope she drops like some more ten sevens and we get yeah, yeah. something special because I mean this is like I said, I I'd say it's like a passing of a torch, but maybe Shelly and Fraser Price is just going to keep doing this for like another like five years, and we're just going to be like, okay, well, yeah, the I, torch. I'm not going to pick against her until until it's she says it's over. Yeah, the torch is in her 
possession. It's in Jamaica. Oh, absolutely. She's running 10-6, and no one could catch her to get the torch. She's like, come on. <laughs> if you want it, you can you can grab it. You just have to catch me. No disrespect to the men's 100 right now, but the women's 100 is the event. It is oh, the yeah. event. And, and that's is... saying what just happened today there, too. Right. So you have Bromel drop a nine seven seven becomes the ninth man in history to break uh, 9-8. This is in a low-ish key meet in Florida, but it had some big names in there. Marvin Bracey ran fast. Uh, we had Marvin uh, Bracey ran 985. Where the hell? What? Where, that was all what? part of the plan. Long-time listeners know, Jason, boy. that before I had a great rooting allegiance for the Milwaukee Bucks, all of my time and energy was spent convincing you that Mar- Marvin Bracey was it. He was the next one. He had that world indoor silver medal from 2014. In 2016, 2016, do you remember that, Jason? That's yeah. where he made the Olympic team. Now, he went out he in the semis, the but he made the Olympic yeah. team. And then we didn't see a lot from him. His, he tried to play football, all this other stuff. Uh, but nine, yeah, nine, eight, five. But I want to talk about Bramel first. Yeah, I want to talk about sure. Bramel first because this is the difference right now between the men and and the women. Is Bramel does this, and you're like, all right, there's no Coleman. Lyles is not as good in the hundred as he was last year. We know what Gatlin is. He's going to be solid. He's going to be there. And then you have this other group that includes people like Baker, people like Marvin Bracy, who just don't seem to be able to get to Bromel's level this year. Someone like an Isaiah Young. Like, these guys are great sprinters. But Bromel has just continually upped his game over the last two years. Seems like he's had a counter for everything that anybody else has done, including today. I mean, Bracey went out around 10 and and got beat by Bromel. Great race for Bracey. I'm sure he would, he would take it. But the story continues to be, who's ever in the race... Bromel just manages to to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, Bromel was, a, at this point, before this race, a pretty big favorite. Like, yeah. And, and that's credit to him, but also just looking at the event and coming into the year, you would have been like, okay, Lyles and Bromel will be really interesting. And Lyles could maybe still get it together, but I just have no faith in him in the 100 right now. Um, it's like a gold medal contender. Mm-hmm. Um, Gatlin, like you said, it'll be rock solid. I just don't think he's nine eights at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Baker, you know, who knows? Maybe I mean Marvin Bracey is not a name I thought I'd be saying again. Uh, I mean, he he just again jumped up so huge. There's just no one close to him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you mentioned these guys. You know, Isaiah Young can have a one off. Yeah. But I mean, like the third fastest hundred in this year is by a four hundred runner. Um, yeah, this is the. Let me read the nationality of the top like fifteen. So Bromel U.S., Bracey U.S., Young U.S., then Curly U.S., Baker U.S., Joe Martin U.S. Then he goes South Africa, Italy, U.S., Ghana, U.S., U.S., China, South Africa, Canada, Antigua, Qatar, U.S., Kenya, Liberia, Saint Kitts and Nevis, U.S., U.S. Great Britain, U.S., Jamaica clocks in there. I don't think they have – they must not have had Blake's time from today because he would be up there. But 
it's all U.S. is what I'm saying. Yeah, this is a if you're in the be- if you're the best in the United States, you're going to be the favorite going into going into Tokyo. There's no there's no two ways about it. There's not there's not an emergent right now Jamaican star to contend. We know who the players are. DeGrasse will be there because DeGrasse is always going to be there, but Bromel's had the upper hand on him. Yeah, it's 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 just like I said I, I'm waiting. I'm not even sure who. Like obviously, if you had to pick the medalers, or let alone just the U.S. team, would be. I mean, throw it against the wall, see what sticks. Like I have no, yeah, no idea because there's it's like like usual. There's a ton of guys in the mid nine nines, but normally you have a few guys above, like better than that, yeah, that you can kind of count on. And Bromel is the only guy I think you can really count on. I said Gatlin's consistent, but he's his consistency has now fallen into the mid nine nines as opposed mm-hmm. to like, you know, okay, I'm running nine nine one, nine eight nine. Like now he's just kind of in that group, and and maybe I trust him to show up more on you know the trials than the other thirty seven U.S. guys you named. <laughs> um, but yeah. it's 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 a total crapshoot. Like, I mean, we're going to get some random, random medals at the Olympics in the 100. But you could also see a situation where it reverts a bit to what our form chart said at the beginning of the year. And you could have a team of Bromel, Gatlin, and Lyles. And then you could have a podium that includes Bromel and then one of those two plus someone like DeGrasse. And then you say, oh, okay, that was pretty much. Yeah, DeGrasse will medal with 10.03, and it's going to just be this hilarious thing to me. Um, Yeah. Blake's time, by the way, was wind aided in the prelim. It was a nine nine seven with a plus two point win. So right now, the fastest legal Jamaican time of the year is Nigel Ellis with a ten point oh four, which is just insane. I mean, you got people from all over the world in front of Jamaica this year. Let me read you some guys, and you tell me if you could picture them making the U.S. team. Okay. Romel, yes. Bracy, I I guess I. I'm trying to think, like, if you told me Bracey doesn't break 10 the rest of the year, I wouldn't be surprised. Isaiah Young. Yes. Ronnie Baker. Yes. Florida State's Jovan Martin, who's run 994 this year. Uh, yeah, I guess. Cravon Gillespie. Yeah. Kyrie King, 997 this year. I got to draw a line somewhere, right? But it's going to be a very random line. <laughs> Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. Yes, he's going to make the team now. I just think <laughs> for him. Gatlin. Yes. Uh, Oregon freshman Micah Williams, who's run 10 0 and won the 60 indoors. No. Christopher Belcher. No. I don't think Kenny Bidnerick's going to run it, so I will not ask you about him. Okay, next on the list for the U.S. You know who the next person is for the U.S.? If we're just going by times? I don't. Noah Lyles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um,. I mean, yes, just because the talent, but... Right. My point being, there's a lot of people there. A lot of those guys aren't going to make the final. Yes. Yeah. But that's that's the way it goes in the in the U.S. Lyles, oh man, I think he'll get it together in time in the 100, but I don't I don't know. And I'm, I hasten to bet against Gatlin, but I also think like Baker's hiding a bit in plain sight with these... With, with with his performances, uh, and he's raced. He's got experience, right? He's not like the college kids. Same thing with Isaiah Young. I could see someone like that making the team. But anyway, we got some time weird for experience for Baker. 
but yes, like, like I do trust him more than most, even though he's had just a very strange last few years. Women's hundred this meet, uh, Elaine Thompson picked the worst possible day to run ten eighty seven. Boring. <laughs> Sorry, Elaine Thompson, you're great, and ten eighty seven is always good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you would have, you would have been. <laughs> 10 meters behind Shelly and Fraser Price. So well, I don't know. she would have tied with Natasha Morrison because she also ran 1087. So you have the, you have the reverse true for the women for Jamaica. They're looking really good right now. Fraser yeah. Price, Thompson, Hurrah, and Morrison. You have th- someone, a, a 10, nine sub 10, nine, a sub 10, eight, and then a 10, 63 right there. So if that ends up being the team, they're going to be, they're going to be loaded for bear. That doesn't even mention Brianna Williams who ran 1097. Uh, yeah. today as well too so she was pretty interesting Dilla Muhammad ran her second four meter hurdle race at this meet she ran 54.50 I don't know what to make of this other than I don't expect fireworks as much as we had last US championships between McLaughlin and and Muhammad now we're recording this like I mentioned on Saturday night and on Sunday Sydney's gonna open in the four hurdles she's on the start list yeah to race, which will All please right. Jason and the rest of the track and field universe. But, like, I was looking in 2019. Muhammad had some 53s under her belt by the time she went to U.S. champs in 2019. So this might be more like a 2017 season for Muhammad where she had some 54s. And then she still ran really, really well at U.S. champs. But I just think as someone who drafted that event at the trials specifically because mm. I thought it was going to be yeah. another world record for McLaughlin or for Muhammad or McLaughlin taking the world record. I'm not feeling very good about that pick right now. No, I mean, it's been extremely underwhelming. Luckily it wasn't, you weren't picking that event for the season. You were picking that specific race. Correct. And that specific race <laughs> could still, there could still be some fireworks there. Um, Obviously, seeing zero races from Sydney and fifty-four-five as a you know a season best for for Muhammad here in June wasn't exactly what you were getting excited about. Well, um, but see, if you told me before the year, hey, Shamir Little's going to run fifty-three fifteen in the run-up and run yeah. sub fifty in the quarter, I'd been like, oh, okay, well, this is great. Now it's because a three-person we, race, maybe, yeah, yeah, and maybe we still do because it's totally possible they. They know how to get ready. McLaughlin's done it a couple times. Muhammad's done it for an even longer period of time, peaking at the right time. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna go into the Olympic trials and be like, "Yeah, I can get through with the 54." They're gonna be yeah. close to, to 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 top condition, I think, because that would take an, an immense amount of confidence to <laughs> to think that you could glide through. But right now. Right now, it's not not looking the way I thought it would. But maybe on Sunday, Sydney will run 53 flat, and then I'll be like, okay, it's on. Yeah. I, I'm not worried about either of them, just because they're the last time we saw them, they were just so spectacular. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't I think it's a problem, and I've beat up on Sydney only because I want to see her run. Like, I... She's too good and like too young. It would just be the weirdest thing ever for her to like not be great. And Muhammad is the greatest ever. Like set the world record twice and you know, we we saw the greatest matchup ever. Like I just it would be so weird if they don't 
get it figured out. Like they, they both obviously deserve like the biggest benefit of the doubt, but it's just, yeah, it's, you know, they're, they're kind of doing, and at least no allows has been running, which I don't know if is better or worse. Like, is it better to actually run a few times and not perform or like barely run? I don't know. It depends it, who your audience is. If it's fueling speculation, then not running is probably better mm-hmm. because we have, we have no evidence and we just assume that you, you're getting it right. I look at Muhammad, though. She ran the in the slow heat in Jacksonville last week. So she ran 55 flat and then she, so she drops her time a half a second in this meet. I – Again, I just like the same thing with Sydney. I just don't think all of a sudden she got that much slower. No, I think I think there's a plan. They're probably tinkering with some stuff and getting it right. What you'd be worried about is be injury. But if they were injured, I don't think they'd be running. If Sydney was injured, she wouldn't be running. She wouldn't be healthy for high hurdle races, but injured right. for formula hurdle races. That's that's the biggest thing that you're worried about. Is just complete complete injury. Hey, one person though that you're slamming the panic button about. I know you're slamming the panic button about Mo Farah. If it if it uh, if you wanted to red. see him in the ten thousand red is it red? Mood ring is red. Okay, so he runs this race, the Euro ten K Cup. Uh, he needed twenty seven twenty eight to get the standard. Yeah, we're not talking about being competitive. We're talking about getting the standard here, and he runs twenty seven fifty. The race was won by won by Morhad. Amduni of France who ran 27-23. So the winner did get under the standard. Uh, Bashir Abdi ran 27-24. He got under the standard. So did Carlos Mayo of Spain. So forget the fact that Farah's losing to those people. He has until June 29th to get this mark. This is not looking good for Mo. No. And, you know, I think, you know, it, we only know Mo Farah as just, like, instant medals for 10 years. And so you just go, oh, yeah, I know he's been marathoning for the past few years, and he's 38. But, like, he's Mo Farah. He's going to be fine. 38. Um, yeah. 2750 and 8th place. There's just so many things. I just don't know what you take from this besides uh, it's not happening. Like, okay, so if you tell me, hey, in a couple weeks he gets his gets his stuff together and runs 27-25 to get the standard, great. He's not competitive for the 10K this year. Like, I just don't think there's a chance of that. I'll give him one more race. I'm going to give him one more race because this could have just been a – Horrible experience. Yeah. Could have had a stomach bug. His ear could have been clogged. Who knows? Could have been water on his shins. We don't know. But you're right. Just getting the standard is not enough. Yeah. This dude's dropping 26s. Like Joshua Chepta guy is in the 10,000, the yeah. last I checked. Jacob uh, Kiplimo is in the 10,000, the last I checked. So it's, a st- it's not like the U.S. trials where you say, okay – just get on the team and you can figure it out later. You know, 1500 yeah. high hurdles, whatever. If you're just not in the physical shape to run 27, 28, yeah, you have no shot with the current field. You know what's a clue 
about Farah's uphill battle here. I'm looking at the results, and it has their name on one side of the results, and in traditional fashion. On the other side of the results, it has their time, and in the middle, it has a nationality. And then it says in the middle, it says category, or C-A-T. And everyone says SM, which I don't know what that stands for, but I can use context clues to figure out that Mo Farah is the only one top 10 where it says M35, which I'm assuming means Masters 35 plus. Yeah. So he, won, he won the Masters category because there's a one by category position. So maybe SM is Submaster. So a- mm. anybody under 35. But Farah is well north of 35 at this point. Do you think, do you think this would have been different? Like, if this doesn't work out for him, would it have been different if he just stuck on the track after 17? Definitely. I mean, I I think he still would have been in meddling contention in 2019 for sure. Um, I mean, he was... He was great for a very long time. And, like, it's so... Like, I, I think I said, we just, like, underrated going to the marathon for four years in your late 30s. And then bouncing back to the track. Like, that doesn't work. It just yeah. doesn't, right? Like, I mean, we've been talking about Molly Huddle the last few weeks. And, you know, I know you're basically out on that. And I'm, like, clinging on to hope. But really, there's there's not a lot showing there. Only because she's running 5Ks and not 10Ks. And I'm hoping there's not that much of a correlation there. Yeah. Um, but it's just... it's Definitely no correlation the, between a distance... And another distance. Right, yeah, not at all. But the move the move to the marathon is such a it's just such a different world. And it's one thing when you're like making a transition, maybe you can kind of do it for the year or, or two or whatever. But like he's been a marathon runner and sometimes not that because he hasn't been healthy. Mm-hmm. And he's in his late thirties. Like it's he's already accomplished more than anyone ever should. Um he's incredible, but I just I would be shocked for this to work out. And I, and I was still aboard the, he should absolutely go for the 10 K this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I, I hope one more race. I hope he shows a little something. Um, but if he doesn't, it makes sense. Like it's just because he's Mo Farah is the only reason we have any belief in it. Not everybody's Shelly and Fraser price. Well, he's older than her too. This would be like Fraser Price doing it in the 2024 or 2025. Right, which I mean, probably going to happen. Don't, so don't, we'll don't threaten me with that, a good but. time, Jason. Do not threaten me with a good time. Two bright spots, two potential silver linings here. If you're okay. a Farrah fan that you're hanging on to. And we know we have some listeners in Great Britain. So maybe they'll hang on to these. Number one, his next 10,000 meter race I just saw is actually being held at a port in Djibouti. So oh, he's got that going for him. Mistake. Two. I mentioned Bashir Abdi, who got second in this race, who, who ran 27-24. Yeah. Ferris trained with him or is training with him, whatever. You might remember Bashir Abdi as the man who was second in the one-hour run last year in Brussels. Oh. He ran 21,322 meters. He was bested by eight meters by – do you remember who? I believe it was Mo Farah. Mo Farah. Correct. So maybe – this is just a terrible race for Farah. Maybe the one-hour race was a terrible race for Bashir Abdi. Maybe he just likes races where it's a distance that you're going to complete and not a time because he's a normal human being. So I don't, I don't know other than it would be strange if they were that close last year. That race was, let's see, when was the one-hour race? September 12th. And then by June of the following year, he's basically putting Farah in a trash can. That doesn't entirely line up to me. 
Yeah. I mean, it's... And an hour is, you know, it's basically a half marathon. And there was always like, you know, it's always seems like, okay, well, if you're good at 10K, you're going to be good at the half marathon. If you're good at the half marathon, you'll be good at the marathon. Like, but at a cert- certain times, that just doesn't instantly translate. And maybe, and maybe Farrell will be totally fine. And maybe I'll, you know, someone will. Abby's play pretty it. good in the half, though, right? He's a 61 minute half. Like he's run halves. He's run marathons before. He's. Yeah. Like, I kind of saw them together. And to me, the hour run with the distance, it's like you have no point of comparison. So you don't know what it is. But we know 10Ks, right? Yeah. And we know 2750 is not good. No. At the elite level at all. So, like, I'm saying this is this is Farah dropping off. This isn't like, ooh, Abdi, I'm in my sweet spot now. Run, I'm no. gonna run. I'm going to run 2645. It's like, the dude ran 2724. Let's calm down. Let's look at the world list this year. How many people have run... No, I really want to. How many people have run that time in in the ten thousand? So you have Kiplimi who ran twenty six thirty three, Grant Fisher and Woody Kincaid twenty seven eleven twenty seven twelve, Ben True twenty seven fourteen. I mean, what a Joe Klecker ran twenty seven twenty three. Well, I mean, what are we? Huh? The, the, I guess the part that like really because if this was. Connor Mance ran twenty seven forty one. Connor Mance would have beaten Mo Farah by nine seconds. Connor Mance, great runner. But I would like to think Mo Fair is still the best guy in BYU. I would just like to think that that's <laughs> the case. Yeah, and just uh, just seeing him eighth and seeing that there were a bunch of guys he could run with, whether he was going to run 2720s or 2740s or 50s like he did. And it just, I don't know. There's something concerning about that. And uh, I hope he proves me wrong and I hope it look real dumb. But... Uh, at least he won the Masters division, I guess, in this race. So M- M35. They got to make sure they give him that plaque. M35. Here's my question to you, Jason. Do you think Mo Farah is, the, is good enough to be NAU's fourth guy? <laughs> I would like to think so, yeah. Or third guy. Is he good enough to be NAU's third guy? Well, you might be wrong because Abdi Hamid Nur this year, Jason, has run 27.47, three seconds faster <laughs> than Mo Farah. Ran in this race. So it's going to be tough to make varsity. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to him running again. I hope, I hope he, you know, something's got to come out that give me, give me like the LeBron excuse of why this went wrong. Farah. Like, just give me something. I I can cling on to that. That's what happened. I, yeah, I don't, it doesn't, it's almost so bad that it doesn't make sense, which makes it better. Right. Because you figure, okay, there's got to be something going on. If he had run 27, yeah, you know, if he had missed like two seconds or something. Well, yeah, if and, he was 27.30 and he was just behind like that that leading group of, what was it, four guys, three guys, um, I closed it, of course. Yeah. Uh, three guys, 27.23, 27.24, 27.24, and then there's a big 24-second gap. Mm-hmm. If he was right behind that third group and he kind of faded and he ran 27 32 i'd be like okay yeah, yeah that's i mean that's not good obviously but i'd be like all right he's you know he's getting his sea legs back but there's something just way worse about seeing that there was five other guys within one second of him ahead of him mm-hmm. and okay he, i got yeah. some news i got some yeah. news I, I searched on twitter sean angle of the guardian in the uk Quick writ- report written about two minutes after the race. Just spoke to Mo Farah, who says he was struggling with a niggle in his foot. 
which he picked up 10 days ago. And fair play to him for speaking to the media after a disappointing run. Quite a few wouldn't. Okay, so of course, fair play to him. Love that phrase, by the way, for, for our friends over the seas. So he had an, uh, an issue with his foot that he got 10 days ago. So there you go. Okay. You can hang on to that. That's what you hang on to if you're a fair guy. As a person who's cheering for storylines, you want Farah there with just a puncher's chance, as you mentioned. Yes. Just a kicker's chance, and maybe he ends up ninth. Maybe he sneaks out of bronze. Gold seems very unlikely, especially now, but that's what you'd want. Yeah, the whole thought – I mean, I you know – there was the outs- always the outside shot, like, "Hey, maybe he's just vintage Farah, and he's gonna he's gonna do it." But like in my head, going into this year, it was kind of like, "Hey, best case scenario is he's in perfect position, and he outkicks for bronze or silver, and that would be awesome, right? Like that would just be really cool." Um, and I hope he gets the the niggle in his foot taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, That's not good too. Like you'd rather say, "Oh, he had a stomach cramp." But right. Yeah, because the foot issue with stuff the foot. is scary. Hey, guys, don't worry about it. I was injured. That's why I didn't yeah. run well. And I have 20 days to get a qualifier. Nothing yeah. to worry about over here. I – yeah, I I agree. This was always going to be a long shot now that you think about it. But it's just difficult to picture him being a non-factor. Yeah, he's – Just like it is with all the greats. It's one of the best ever. It's just you can't – it's hard to picture them not, not right. I mean that's – I did not actually watch this race. I just saw the results. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's talks like he was halfway through the race, he was grimacing in pain. So like stuff like that, obviously that makes a makes a big difference. Here's the problem though: this is the last month to qualify. It's like, oh why? yeah, no, I I think there must have been some issue to keep him out of other 10ks because he this is not the situation you want to be in where you're trying at the last moment to get right. You wanted to knock this out a couple months ago, so you didn't need to be in this position but part of that is yeah the probably difficult switching from marathon training down to to this 10k stuff do you think is there also a possibility that nike instead of giving him the super shoes gave him the super slow shoes oh i heard they've been working on those this is this is not a uh, point in favor of team shoes are ruining everything when you have mo around 2750 is this one of those scenarios where bowerman gave the shoes that fell apart halfway through oh yeah he's like hey i built them for 10k they just went 5k short which is a lot give him the 5k shoe oh no this is gonna the second half of the race is going to go poorly don't tell him though he may not notice so that happened today carson warholm this was on friday yeah 33 26 in the 300 hurdles your favorite event about time right i mean that's (laughs) um i mean no excited i am for carson warholm uh, it's the world quote. Do we play the song? Record. Do we play the angry song for this? Do we, which we, song do we play for this? Yeah, I mean, is it? I think it's borderline angry song. Like, like not borderline to good to real song. I think it's like I don't know if it actually qualifies. Oh even wow, for the angry song because it's the three hundred hurdles, <laughs> which I don't know is a thing. But um, he ran it last year, remember? And that's he did. when people were like, "Oh man, he's gonna be." He's going to be on one. And I'm like, are we sure? He ran. I don't really know what the hurdles means. We don't even know what marks the hurdles. Like, it's not the same race at all. And then he went on and, of course, just smashed everything last year. So he ran, what, uh, 30. What did he do last year? He did a 33.78. And this one was a 33.26. So half second. So half second. 
he should break the world record by at least four tenths his next time out. Okay, perfect. I think that adds up. So 46, no song. It's forty six five or better. It's the it's the that's that's what I'm shooting for here. You really think so? Uh no, but I do think he's gonna set the world record. Do you think Rye Benjamin has a chance to beat him? <clears throat> Hold on, sorry, let me ask that again. Do you think all decade team Rye Benjamin has a chance to beat him? I think there's a chance. Oh, of course there's a chance. But like legitimately, I think if there's a legit chance of like Warholm setting the world record and dragging Benjamin along for the world for the old world record. Like that Oh, like a Muhammad McLaughlin thing. Yeah. Like I think that is on the table. So you don't see him losing? I don't. I just I mean and Benjamin looks great, obviously. Um and is great as benjamin look you know 47 one is is awesome like we saw warholm do that like six times last year yeah it yeah. was it was absurd you know it was just like crazy um he's so got I'm, some dog in him man he's got so he comes to play every single time oh he's yes he he has all the dog he is the drew holiday of <laughs> the foreign hurdles i've always said it hopefully not after tonight that was not yeah, a good not, was, not a great not performance great. but i, I mean i not to uh, you know pour, pour salt on the wound, but I'm feeling really good about my 400 meter hurdles uh, men's pick. As a which one was that? Pick. I think I picked the uh, the Olympic final. Okay, I'll have to go back and double check that. Yeah, it could be. Man, with Dos Santos, like we got that yeah. email last week about Dos Santos and and, and if Samba figures it out. Well, Samba's running Sunday. Okay, in Hangalo. Good. In Hangalo. So there's more crazy stuff that's going to happen. This episode's actually going to be out of date by the time it posts, even though we just talked about stuff that happened. And I'm going to have to post it tonight, so that's going to be impressive. Yeah. No, it'll already be gone. They'll be racing in, in Hangalo. Like, Safana Son's <laughs> going to run nuts. She's going to, like, break the 10K world record. We're going to have to – I'm going to have to call you in Mexico. And you'll be like, hold on. I'm hanging out with Dennis Schroeder. I'm like, Jason, come on, man. Safana Son ran really fast. Um. So Samba's got to get back on. Tr- I mean, he only had one race, but he yeah. got beat. He got beat by a bunch of people. He should have beaten. Uh, well, not he should have beaten, but he needs to beat if he wants to get a medal. Uh, so if we're gonna make this the big three or big two or whatever it is, it's it seems you you have to feel good about Warholm and and Benjamin being somewhat close to each other, right? Those guys seem to be both. They seem where they like left off in twenty nine. Exactly what you Samba. expect, right? Like they're. Benjamin a little bit behind Warholm, but those other three, I think it's yeah, like they, they, it's like it's a clear that they debate. are like is Dos Santos just one two and, to and improve and make another? St- yeah, yeah, exactly. But okay, and it's it is crazy just how you know Samba was kind of he was the guy the f- he, he was the he guy window, like he he, right? he twenty eighteen he got he got mm-hmm. it started. And it was yeah. like, oh yeah. man, this dude is—he's going to be the star of this event, and like he's so young, and he's still so young, um, and he's going to do this. And then it's like he just—he opened the doors, and everyone else just came through. And and then he had a little little injury thing happen, and then he comes walking back, and he's like, wait, what? What just? What happened? Yeah, like I was so far ahead of everybody. He's like the lead singer of a band. That gets famous, and then they replace the lead. No, I don't know. <laughs> like it's 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 rough. I mean, I, and he's still like I said he's. 25. He's like a guy at the party. Who, no, sorry. 
he's 25. He's run he's run sub 47 before. During the All Decade show, I think you talked about how he had the best top 10 average time of all time or something along those lines. Hell yeah, which is he did. A totally Hell important statistic. Yes. Um <laughs> but like it, it's, you know, the dude is is oozing with talent, but like even even 47 low isn't a guarantee for a medal. Yeah. <laughs> like so and you you got to be in the 46s to 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 go for gold. Well, we thought that last time it ended up being slow, but I get what you mean. 40, 46 shape. I want to see them all together before the Olympics. I don't know if we will, but I really yeah. want to I want to see it. A, if we could at least times. get Warholm and Benjamin, that would yeah. be huge. Yeah. I think this will be an interesting test about your theory of are we going to ever get that big jump performance? Are we ever going to get the outlier there? Because just the amount of pressure they're putting on the record. Yeah. The dam has to burst at some point. Yeah. I mean, I. It's, it seems like it has to happen. Um, it's you just got so many different guys and so much talent there. Mm-hmm. But man, if I'm Kevin Young, I'm loving this. Like, like how much fun do you have to ha- having watching this? And like most of these guys, and I can't remember if Young said something about it. Like people, you know, chasing the record, whether he's rooting for people or not. Um, I always find it weird when someone says they are rooting. Yeah. So like, the, my, I'm yeah. like, do you? Are you really though? Like, I don't know if I believe it. Maybe that's just me putting my own like sure. selfishness to the record that I would be like, no, yeah, I'll say I want people to break it, but I don't, I want to keep it forever. Um, but like, it's gotta be awesome to watch like these just insane talents and you, there's in your record still holding on. It'd be a cool, but impossible stat to keep of how many uh, like legit attempts have been at your record that have been unsuccessful. Right? I yeah. guess you could just total up the total amount of four meter races, four meter hurdle races since Kevin Young ran it. And you can say all of them were unsuccessful. But I think it takes on a little bit of extra meaning when there's someone who like puts their name to it and you yeah. know, okay, they're going for it, but they still can't do it. And then another person comes and another person comes and they're still not able to do it. I think what's going to happen though, this I feel confident about is once it gets broken, I think we're going to have at least one other person go under it too. So he's going to immediately move from probably from one to three. Yeah. And then, and then maybe even, maybe even lower shortly after that. Cause they're just changing the way that race is run. It's from recent history. At least it's just the aggressiveness with which they're running. Obviously we've talked about Benjamin's exploits and the other events, you know, how fast he's running the hundred and the 200 and putting out all that talent to the four hurdles. It's, it's and Warholm uh, just like running it like he's being chased by Warholm used to be a, like that. Warholm used to be a freaking decathlete. Like, yeah, that doesn't make it, he it went, shows. Well, he competed at World Juniors in Eugene in the decathlon. Back I in think he would Photoshop a javelin into his hand while he's doing it, and it would look totally right. Yeah, but that's like insane. He was he got tenth. He went. He went to the Daphne Shipper School of Why the Hell yeah, Am I Doing Multi? Daphne Shipper is a thing. It's 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 great. I mean, he was running really fast in the quarter, but I think just overseas, man, they just love their multi events. Something about it. It's like you know what's better than one event? Doing ten of them, and then realizing one was way easier, and going back to that. You got to do. You get to do so many sports, man. It's just amazing. Let's talk about. Uh, Josh Kerr's 331. I'm not going to use the S word here to describe it because it's been written over and over again. And you know how much I detest that concept. 
because the, the soil here is the soil everywhere. So let's shut up about it being the fastest time on American soil. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Nothing. But what does matter is he runs 331, Jace. Yeah. I mean, this – Kerr, guys, Oliver Hoare, these guys are just aggressive racers. And it's so fun to watch them make the 1500 a 1500 meter race. Timothy Chariot yes. obviously does it too. But with Chariot, it's like it's like clear he's going to win every single time. Yeah, because <laughs> he's because he's so much better. With some of these other guys, like there's there, there's a feeling of risk with them, and maybe it's misplaced now because they've proven themselves time and time again. But there's at least a feeling of oh man. This could backfire and they could run a lot slower. And we've been, frankly, kind of bored with the 1500 for a couple, some patches of certain seasons, right? Because every race starts to look the same. And yep. when it, everything is tactical, it just gets, it gets, everything, obviously, the rabbit races unfold the same way every single time. And then the, championship races or tactical like it's just good to have people in here who are mixing up and i think it's gonna make for a nuts final now yeah in in, in tokyo now obviously you'd go with chariot because you'd be stupid not to but adding in all these i'll use the word again guys with some dog in them like oliver Horn, and josh kerr and ingebrigtsen chariot like that's a lot of dog in one race it's, it's gonna it's gonna be good yeah it's it was the event had got stagnant for a little bit and then the women's 15 was has been just phenomenal. And now the men's is starting to resemble how the women's have been run for the past mm. several years, right? Like, it's kind of, there's a lot more of those, there's a lot more Laura Muir's and Hassan. Like, it's like, I feel like I'm getting that vibe from a lot of these guys. And it's great. Like, it makes mm. it so much more interesting. And yeah, having the, the chariot, you know, kind of the unbeatable guy at the top. It, yeah. you could say, okay, that that makes it a little less interesting, but there's still so many guys, and you know, Ingerbritson's the number two guy, but man, Kerr is unbelievable too. Like, I, it's gonna be, I think, pretty fast. You know, it's gonna be fast at the Olympics, and I think there's gonna be a ton of dudes. So it's just gonna be incredible to watch and I, I just think it's starting it, it's kind of turned how that that women's has been which has been probably my favorite event in track and field over the past 10 years yeah and i'm not saying all these guys obviously they're doing it with rabbits in these races too but yeah they're sticking with it and then when the rabbit goes off they're not relenting at all and there were times last year in the covid season when Kerr was running those races in like the middle of nowhere in oregon where he's just putting putting the wood to people and you're just like man you're just really confident right now about the type of shape you're in because why else would you do it and then same thing with horror and those two the race in eugene the race in mount sack just yeah just a night on his tail and he just kept going kept going plugging away and i think we'll get it'll be a totally different viewing experience you know the hundred is the hundred uh, hurdles are the hurdles. Sometimes they're slow, sometimes they're fast. Even the the steeple, because it's not run as tactically, looks. We we know what to expect with those races. The fifteen just can have such a big variance. Yeah. Uh, even the five and the ten, like yeah, you can get it faster, slower, but usually it gets down to business at, at a certain point. But the fifteen hundred, you can literally have a thirty second fluctuation in the winning time, or 
I mean, that's a little too much, but like I, certainly a 20 second fluctuation yeah, for sure. in the winning time um, at a major championship. And that affects the race dramatically. It's just a totally different viewing experience. It's like putting on 3D goggles for your first time seeing Avatar. That's what it's like. Still waiting on Avatars 2 through 12 that is being made right now. Oh, is that happening? Oh, yeah. He's been like apparently filming like four at once or something like that. And mm. I. I James Cameron it does was, what James, what James what's, what's the South Park line? Yeah, James Cameron doesn't do what James Cameron does for James Cameron. There you go. James Cameron does. So same James thing. Cameron. So say that with Josh Kerr. Can you say that same line? Yeah, Josh, Josh Kerr? Kerr doesn't do what Josh Kerr does for Josh Kerr. There Josh Kerr does what Josh Kerr does for the fifteen hundred. <laughs> and that's that's the way it should be. That's great. That's terrific. Also at this meet, Matt Centrich ran three 800s. He ran every <laughs> single heat of the 800. Yeah, that's a it's a weird move. I mean, I've heard going for team points, Jason, but this <laughs> is out of control. Um, Yeah, it's I, – I don't remember this being a thing before. <laughs> no, I don't um, I don't know. Like, just decide to, like, uh, you know what? I don't want to – I hate doing these – three by 800 workouts by myself. Is there any way I could get into three heats? Um, I get whatever works, man. I, I do your thing, Matt. That's uh, we're looking forward to you in this race in this 1500 as well. So he goes, what was the order here? 150, then 149, which is impressive. He's going, but then 153 for the last one. He had what? How much rest? Six minutes or something. Yeah, I mean, it's... Not, not a lot. You know what's funny? Uh, remember we were talking about last week about how Shelby Houlihan scratched and then someone wrote in and said there were rumors that she did a time trial on her own? So Bowerman's like doing races in practice and then doing practices in races. Yeah. With Centrowitz. It's We have everything upside down a bit. I think they're just going for like mass confusion. Is, Is that, that it? Their, their goal. They're keep everybody on their toes, not really give away too much. Um I guess, because that's what's happening, at least. I don't know if that's their intention, but that's what I'm getting. I like it from the, man, this is really weird. I don't think I've seen it before perspective. But then you're also like, man, would have been cool to see him in the 1500 inch Josh Kerr. Yes. I think just as we're talking about other people racing as a sign that they're healthy and good, I think it's a positive for, not that he needed another one after he ran that 335. It looks good, but he wouldn't be showing up and doing these things in public if he was worried about his form. That's all I'm saying. Right. And it was a was it a couple of weeks ago when he, or I guess a couple of months ago now, but we were panicking when he ran the 150, and now he goes 150, 149. Maybe it was just to to yell at his old self, just like see see how good a shape you're in now, <laughs> April Matt. You could do this three times. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea how to comp- like what that means in terms of his shape. There's no. none, no clue at all. This is the kind of thing that we would have seen that Rupp did after, yeah, U.S. Indoor Championships by right. himself, Some, and we would have been like, right. "All right, cool, man." But he did the race. That's the thing. Yeah, the race was already completed, and then you're you're thinking, "Oh man, you did, <sighs> you did this in addition to that." But this was the whole, the whole shebang. Let's be honest. Some people do train during races because they're not they're chilling for a good portion of it, and then they're just yeah. closing with a hard mile. But usually, it's one effort contained it's not oh man hope that women's heat isn't that fast so i can get more rest which is what this was 
really weird, but uh, it, he's running without getting hurt, so I guess it's a good, it's a victory. Yeah, yeah. He posted on Twitter. He said when he's preparing for his first World Championships ten years ago, which would have been the twenty eleven World Champs in Daegu. He said he ran at eight hundred time trial, trying a negative split. I went fifty five five fifty five five for a one fifty one flat. Not to mention I had a running start. I felt ready to roll, and later went on a medal. Ten years later, I started a workout in one fifty point three with a fifty six fifty four negative split. And I'm contemplating what kind of shape I'm in to be young and naive. I mean, I don't think you want to be young and naive. He's just faster now. What's <laughs> yeah, I was like, you're actually faster and you know what's good now. So I don't, I'm confused by it. But uh, hey, I think he, is he happy with what happened? I don't know. I think he's, I think he's happy. I think he's basically saying he's just, he now he's thinking more about it. Before yeah. it was, okay, just do a negative split and you're ready to roll. Now he's like, oh, I wonder how much. I mean, part of him's like has to be thinking, man, it would have been cool to run that fifteen hundred and see how fast I could have gone, yeah, in that race. But then the other part of him's like, I, I know what I'm at, at where I'm at with fifteen hundred, so why waste the effort? Instead, do three by eight hundred in three <laughs> different races, and then show up in the results as Matthew Centrowitz, Matthew Centrowitz two, and Matthew Centrowitz three. <laughs> do you have to pay three entry fees? I hope so. I think that seems only only fair. You're taking a lane, Matt. Come on, man. Francine Niansaba. Yes. 800-meter standout medalist. Stalwart on the circuit. And then was impacted by the DSD rules that made her regulate her natural testosterone, which meant she could not run any event from 400 meters through the mile. So if she wanted to compete and back up her silver medal from 2016 that she got in Rio, and she got silver medal in 2017 as well too, she would have to change events. She'd have to move events. And we talked about Semenya, run of the 200. Niansaba, 5,000, goes 14.54, Jason, to get gets the Man. standard. Easily. So she will be there. And in this race, she had some pretty good competition in there too. She lost by a couple seconds to Beatrice Chabet, who's been running really well, who ran 14.52. But Nian Saba will be, barring some unforeseen circumstance, in Tokyo on the line competing. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for her. I mean, that's it's to try, go from the 800 to the 15. Or the five thousand, excuse me, uh, is a massive jump. I mean, it's you know Hassan is the one who makes it look easy, but for everyone else, it's not not that easy. And fourteen fifty four is no no joke. I mean, think she'd just only be getting better. Might have some decent closing speed in these five Ks. Don't let it get tactical. Come on, <laughs> be careful. Yeah. It'll be a Garouge Bekele situation. Right. When Bekele's like, you know what'll be smart? Going out slow against yep. the Mile World record holder. <laughs> no way he'll figure out how to beat me then. Yeah, that's um, number one, impressive range. Number two, must have been hard to even try to continue in the sport when yeah. you're being pushed out of it with a what I consider a unfair an arbitrary rule. So credit to her. Credit to her. I hope she's in the mix. We'll see if Semenya now tries to get, get in the five. 
I wonder if they're talking. That'd be interesting to know. Right? Are they communicating? Or is Nien Saba like, no, I don't want some to get in here. I used to not <laughs> ever be able to beat her. Like, I don't want yeah. her to... Yeah. She's, she's actually texting her just like, you got the 200. Come on, Semenya, yeah. you got this. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, Semenya's 400 speed was a good indication that she could run fast in the two, but it just might be too much of an ask to go all yeah, the way down two to two. So, I mean, yeah, she was, you know, she was sub 50, which, you know, is at least... A, you know, could obviously have the speed to to do something in the two, but it's you're right. It's it's just there's such a huge gap. Like you get eight four is already rare enough. Yeah, yeah. But eight and then all the way down to the two. I just I don't know. I was talking about this with Gordon on the Flow Track podcast, which you can check out on YouTube. Uh, Flow Track podcast, subscribe. Um, and he said, or I said, it was one of us. One of us said, no, it was me. So you you have this ruling, right? And you say it to an 800-meter runner. You say it to a 1,500-meter runner, 400-meter runner. doesn't matter. Anybody in there. And they say, okay, you can compete, but you need to suppress your testosterone. And you say, okay, I don't want to do that, your natural testosterone. And they say, okay, well, here are your options. You can't run any event in this range. So just say, just take steeple out of this. Just say, for example, you're not going to run the steeple because you're a sane person and you're not going to run that race. So then your choices of events – are the 5,000 or the 200. So basically you're choosing between two events that are separated by three miles and you have to decide what's the better path for your athletic future. It's pretty incredible when you consider it in, that, in those terms. It's like, how yeah. do, I drop down to, do I drop down to the two and run a half a lap or do I run the 5,000 and run 12 and a half laps? They were left with very few options here. Yeah, they were in the worst possible spot, the 800, and it's just, hey, let's eliminate the event on each side, and then, so you have to get two events away from your your normal. Like, that's, because if you go, like, most most runners, not all, but, like, can go one one way or the other, right? Like, if it's, if you're a 400 runner, you could probably go to the two, not really, the eight, usually, but sometimes, Um, 15, you can go to the five, the eight, like, there's, most people have that one event range Hassan has seven event range but really once you're asking for more than one it's just like uh, I don't know I just don't know who you know you're, you're asking so much and Nienzaba just I mean she just did it yeah because 1450 that's yeah congrats all right I want to talk about the Florence Diamond League meet which is coming up on Thursday again between now and then there's going to be a couple of meets on Sunday that we won't talk about and then there'll be NCAAs starting but this 5K, it bears discussion just briefly, just in case people aren't going to tune in. You should tune in. Also, the women's 15 at that meet. The men's 5K yeah. is Cheptegei, Idris, Double Britson, Lil and Big, or Lil and Elder, Borega, Gebruet, McSwain, and Mohamed. It's just bonkers. Oof. And the women's 15 goes Hassan, who will be coming off of a 10,000-meter world record that happens 12, af- 12 hours after we record. <laughs> Uh, Faith Kipiegon, GDS, Muir, and Lem Lem Hailu. Pretty good. Yeah, those are both insane. Um, pretty light overall in the sprints. You got a decent women's too with, with Ardiner, uh, Shippers, and Tulu. But like <laughs> those two events are just absolutely loaded. Um, yeah, I'm fascinated to just kind of see what happens there. I, I mean, that men's five is so good, but the women's 15, even like, I mean, it's, I don't know 
I think I'm leading Kip Yegon in that one, but you mm. could you could tell me anything. Um, it's gonna It'll be, be interesting. It's gonna be awesome because well, Hassan after that race will have run every distance this year. Like she'll have already run an eight, a fifteen, a five, and a ten. So she's <laughs> touched on all just in the Perfect. last couple in the last couple weeks. Uh, NCAA's next week. I don't think we'll go too much into that now. Wait, how long are you gonna be in Mexico for? A week. So if we record next Sunday, we'll be able to recap in some ways. In some ways, it's going to be fast. Let's just be honest. We don't – I mean, a thing Mo could go crazy and run, I don't know, 49-1 or something. Maybe yeah. not. And we could – that fifteen, The men's 1,500 could be bonkers as well too because you got Nagu's 334 guy and then a whole bunch of people who have run 335, 336. Men's five should be amazing. The hundreds on both are going to put people on the in, in the contention for the Olympic team. Goes on and on and on, um, but yeah. So next week will be our next time we record will be the trial NCAA recap and trials preview show. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, we got to figure out our. Yeah, we got to figure out a plan here. Yeah, I'm gonna oof, gonna have to play catch up. Yeah, because well, I'm not I'm even gonna met- be paying too much attention. I'll be honest. While I'm in Mexico. Oh yeah, nor should you, because you'll be like, hey, hey, Andre Drummond, Andre Drummond, I'm over here. It's me, Jason Halpin from the House of Run Podcast. Can I have a picture? And then he'd be like, who are you? And you're like, I'm Jay Crowder's number one fan. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay. Brown McNeil will be allowed to compete in the Olympic trials, uh, even though she's facing a five-year ban. This was yeah. mentioned earlier about the potential suspension, but now it's official that she's facing the five-year ban, but also that they're working to adjudicate the case and they're going to let her compete at the trials, but they'll have a decision before Tokyo. I, I feel like every single case that comes up, I know less about you'd think I would have accrued knowledge at this point after in the podcast for 11 years. But what we've learned is that everything is more complicated than it seems. And there's always a rule that you don't know about, which makes me want to just say, well, Wait and see. Yeah, I. We still don't know much about this case in right. general. Um, it's one of those things where I want to go. Well, can't we? We can't just figure this out before the trials. Like, mm-hmm. like what are we? What are we doing here? I want them to do their due diligence and like every you know to get a the, the fair thing, of course. But I guess it just it always feels like they're dragging their feet, even though I know there's so many things they have to do. Um, mm-hmm. but it always seems like these things take forever and a five year ban is a gigantic ban. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, well, it, it's it listed would, as tampering, tampering within the results management process, which can mean a lot of, yeah. So it's like, things. I don't know exactly what that means, but if it's five, uh, it seems there's next to no, Olympics. I can't imagine a scenario where she runs the Olympics this year. So let's say everything goes good in her favor. Most things go good in her favor. Maybe it's a two-year ban or something. Like, but I don't know. Oh, I don't think they're going to go. I don't think they're going to drop it down. Do you think? Because she's already had a no. one-year ban. I, I mean, I don't think. I, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. I guess because I, I literally don't know anything about it. So I don't know why I'm even pretending to speculate. Yeah, I just five years. If it, she gets the five years, it's two, two Olympics. That's two yeah. Olympics that she's out. So the burden of proof is obviously has to be very high. Because of the damage to the 
career. I, I mean, what's the precedent for people who have come back from bands that are that long? I mean, Gatlin had a long band, but yeah. I can't think of too many other people where they were successful in the comeback. I'm guessing the reason it's so high is because it would be the second issue that she had already having the the whereabouts failure, one-year suspension, and then tampering with the system. I don't know. Again, that could mean a lot of... Yeah, that could be holes in walls where you're passing hollowed-out books. That's and, that's I only at the Winter Olympics, I think. Yeah, or no, oh, yeah, the books. No, I... Like, it could be, you know, saying you're somewhere and you're not or, you know, putting information that they then check and they find out wasn't accurate. There's a lot of different things that it could mean, so you just wait for the report. But, I mean, it's going to be awkward if she gets a spot. Yeah. And then and then you're just, like, waiting for a ruling. And then if you're you're in fourth place, then you're waiting to hear what what happens with her case before you find out. If if you get to go, and obviously it's going to push. I mean, if she makes the final, it pushes one person out of the the final as well, too. Yeah, I'm sure we'll hear more about that. Has she, so she hasn't been able to run, correct? I don't think so. I'm looking up. I'm trying to look up her. But I honestly, her, yeah, her season right now. I haven't seen a result from her. It, it, like I thought it was going along the lines of like they had already decided it and it had already been done. So this news was actually surprising good for her in terms of oh she has a stay so they're like gonna let her run because i thought it was just a a done deal but when the five-year thing popped up i didn't make um there wasn't a ton of explanation which was weird because i thought okay well it's something this big of a deal it's gonna be talked about no nothing in 2021 yeah she ran last last year july yeah 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 so this was all this must have been all didn't run Within, the hurdles at all last year. It's her yeah. Interest, but. yeah. Keep an eye on that one. Let's move on to email. Yeah. Let's run gmail.com. Got a couple emails to get to. Before we do that, if you're thinking the track's down on its luck, I just saw this headline. Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul weigh in ahead of their fight tomorrow evening. Yeah, that's a thing that's happening. That's that's really... Is that... YouTube can, guy so I, fighting a 50-0 and boxer, like... It's so dumb. But is that – I honestly I don't know, so I'm going to plead ignorance here. Is that considered real boxing? or It's an is, exhibition. Is, um, so okay, like, so it would be, it'd be like instance, if Michael we're not Johnson, taking bets on it. Oh, you're not even taking bets on it? Yeah. So I, I, okay. You could probably find some odds like overseas or something, but um, yeah. It's just a money grab at this point. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I think you know Mayweather will let him dance around for a couple rounds. Because he's going to make whatever tens of millions of dollars off of it, so he's going to be like, "Okay, yeah. I'll just kind of jab you up for for three rounds, and then do something to to win it." Like that's, I mean, that's what he does in regular fights, but it's going to be really stupid. Wait, do people actually think that he'd lose? What's the intrigue here? No, I don't think so. I mean, like, this won't even be as close as DK Metcalf versus the Springfield and outside. <laughs> Yeah, no, it it won't be. I mean, the I guess the, the only weird part about it is I think Paul outweighs him by like eighty pounds or something, or fifty pounds or whatever it is. But how much does Floyd Mayweather weigh? He's like one forty something. Okay, do you know who else outweighs Floyd Mayweather? Me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know who couldn't last one point five seconds in a room? 
I mean, give me, I mean, a little bit of money. I'll, I'll, I'll get in there. I'll take a dive. Oh, I'm not saying I won't do it, especially with my current financial no, situation. I'm just yeah. saying the fact that he outweighs him doesn't. So it's an eight-round just... exhibition. I'm literally just like looking this up now because I, I don't like Jake Paul. He's or Logan Paul. I forget even which one this is. But this is Logan. But this is Logan. Whatever. Okay, but they're both tools, and I don't care about them. Um, well, you can root for good guy Floyd yeah, Mayweather. Exactly. Then. That's so. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch it. Um, I would love to see, you know, Logan Paul get knocked out, just because that would be fun to watch. Floyd Mayweather. I mean, he, he he's a tool too. He's really good at his job. Is the only difference. Well. The other guy is too. If his job is just getting attention on himself, which he seems to have succeeded. Yeah, that's for very true. Several years. I want to make a statement about what this is about our culture as a whole, but I'm going to save that for next week's pod when you get back from Mexico and you're like, it's, "Everything's amazing." I went to the beach. Me and Taylor, Taylor and Tucker Horger. How do you say that guy? <laughs> Talon Horton Tucker. Tht. You, you saw Tht. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Okay, email. Sorry, that was a, a side. I just clicked over to Twitter and it was trending or something like that. Uh, okay, inbox is right here. All right, Elijah. Uh, Eli, excuse me, from Rhode Island. Formerly from Raleigh. Is everybody either from Raleigh who listens to the show? Or That's- used to be from Raleigh? I think we, we, we got big – that those, those advertisements we paid for in Raleigh, yeah. I think, paid off. We got that billboard. <laughs> it's good. Uh, so he says – well, he says bucks and four, which unfortunately – well, I'm with you though. Uh, he says, uh, first time email, long-time listener, your conversation about a thing, Moe's best event and C. McLaughlin's lack of racing this year lead me to a hypothetical I'd like your opinion on. If the flat 400 was the only track and field event contested at the upcoming Olympics, what would be the U.S. women's team? If I had to bet everything I own on only three women, then I think the answer would be Mo, McLaughlin, and Muhammad, which is bizarre because as of right now, none of them are planning on running this event at the upcoming real-life trials. Milowebo and Nasser's presence make this event difficult to meddle in on a global stage, but it still feels strange to think that the three potential fastest U.S. quarter-milers don't run the quarter-mile. Who do you think would make the team, and how do you think they would fare at a hypothetical Olympic 400-meter-only event? That is Eli. It's a great question. Yeah. I agree with those three. Well, let let me say it this way. Heading into the year, I agree with those three. Yes. It gets a bit tougher when you have people, you know, like Shamir Little running sub 50, Quinn Hayes running sub 50, and then you haven't seen that from McLaughlin or Muhammad. I mean, you'd probably put Mo on. You'd probably say Mo just because she's put such a fast time out there. Is there any other event where this is the case? Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I I'm trying to. I'm yeah. for, in, in in the U.S., I'm trying to think. I guess. I mean, it, it would take a lot of hypotheticals because you'd say, "Well, Grant Holloway, maybe in the in the hundred or something." <laughs> yeah, there's too many. Time. Like, just at least one great person who's doing their actual event. Right. So it's not really the whole hard. group. I guess it's the only event that completely overlaps another distance, though. Like, like mimics uh, other than the one ten hurdles and the hundred. But there's that's a little more that's a more drastic difference, I guess. 
yeah. uh, than the 400 and the 400 meter hurdles. If we go to the Olympics and this is the case, so anybody can be in it, I, you're still going Miller Weibo and Nasser because yep. I don't think there's another 400 meter hurdler. Well, on the men's side, though, it would be interesting because then you'd have Rye Benjamin and Carson Warholm in the mix, who I think would both make the final for sure. Oh, so, yeah. I think they're sub-44 guys. If we're if we're doing this, well, you have Warholm at like a 42-2 or something like that. It's incredible. But for the women, I would probably say – For the women, I would I would probably say it would be Miller-Weibo, Nasser, and then an American. I don't know. I mean, I know it's a cop out. Like I'd say Mo, like right if the Olympics were like right now. But in well, it's like how could you pick McLaughlin or Muhammad this year? Like just because yeah. you literally have not seen anything from them. But yes. I I have faith in both of them. But yeah. it's like you're just kind of going like uh, yeah, like if they spent the whole year trying to just be great at the four hundred. Yeah, I'm feeling really really good about it. What's weird is when we when she went pro, we were talking about well, what's is McLaughlin going to do, do try to run the four eventually or do both at the same time? Or is there going to be some other way that she approaches this? And I'm, I think we we're talking to Otto about this, right? And he's like, well, she'll just make the 400 hurdles bigger just because yeah. she's in it. So she'll just stick with whichever one she's best at, which made some, made some sense. But I don't know. Do you have a different three? It's, you can't no. really pick against Miller Weibo. I, I'm trying no, to think of Miller other Weibo people. and Nasser. Are, I mean, they're like no one else is running 48. Um, maybe Mo in a year or two like has that ability. Um, is there but, another 800 meter runner that we're not thinking of in the world who would be? I mean, if Semenya was eligible to do it, obviously she'd be in the mix. Yeah, I mean, she would be. She'd be in the mix for bronze. I don't still don't know if I'd have her in those top two. Yeah. Um. May people forget Sydney ran fifty oh seven in in an early season meet her freshman outdoor season. Oh yeah, no, she, like thought she. I, I remember I pictured her on sub fifty, and then that was the only time she ran it that whole year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd love to see shippers train for the four hundred too, exclusively. Oh, interesting. Like that size and strength. Yeah, I think she'd be pretty good. Next up. Let's go to – thanks, Eli, by the way. Good email. Yeah. Good opener. Uh, this is from Trey. In the 2019 World Championships, Muhammad and McLaughlin ran on the 4x4. Can runners like Mo, McLaughlin, and Muhammad be tapped to run in an Olympic mixed or regular 4x4 without running the 400 trials? Good question. Get this a lot. This is one rule I do know in track or at least a USATF rule that I know. Anybody who makes the team is eligible to be picked for the pool. So mm. Emily Sisson, if she makes the team, could be considered for the 4x4. Four four. You could put anybody on there in addition to the to the, to the the 400-meter qualifiers. Now, three women run the open, mm-hmm. and then in years past, they would take an additional three to be on the relay pool. But now that there is a mixed-gender 4x4, four four, Jason's favorite Ugh. event – they they took eight to Doha, and I believe that's going to be the policy here. Now, that eight number was very fuzzy because I remember being at the 2019 championships in Des Moines and other media members asking and trying to get clarification on what the policy was because the, 
that was Felix's comeback race. And we're like, okay, well, she made the final. Does that mean she can go to Doha and run either in the 4 by 4 prelims or run on the mixed gender? And it was very much unclear. But yeah. I think they've cl- since clarified that policy. But yes, you could have a 4 by 4 In fact, you may have a 4 by 4 in Tokyo that is a thing Mo, Sidney McLaughlin, Delilah Muhammad, and a 400-meter runner. Or another, I don't know, Ajay Wilson. I don't know. Could be, literally, it could be anybody. And with those three, it will not matter who the fourth person is. In fact, they should make it fun. They should get really quirky with it and have Emma Coburn run anchor. Mm. It would be cool. It'd be good. Have Shakira Richardson run anchor. She'd Great. make it fun. Yeah. I'm in. She just I'm jogs in. until they catch up with like 150 to go, and then she just unloads. <laughs> that would be amazing. That actually would... Oh my god! It's too bad there's no like warm up to the Olympics, but where like there's no there's too bad there's no like regular season, right? Four by four, because I would love to see that. Uh, Clay asks, enjoy the decathlon projections on LeBron a few episodes back. At least one person liked it. Assume we would have been training for his whole life. What would LeBron have scored in his prime? Hmm. So let's look up all time to Kathleen. <laughs> he would have been really, really good. There's no question about that. Um, yeah, I mean, we there was I'm sure there was a ton of problems with our our formula for that, and I, you know I don't think we took into account uh, fatigue enough. But sure, I mean, I, I have a hard time believing he wouldn't have been, you know. 8,000 like, 8, points? Could he have been a top... Could he have a top 2,000 mark in history? Yes. That's right around... Right I feel around really 8, good 8, about 000. that. Yeah. Well, on this list, 8,000 even is 2,472 people have done that. Or actually, more. Because there's a big tie for 2,472nd. Here's the thing about LeBron. Look, I hate all these comparisons about like, if this person in this event could do this. And Alan, what's that? Alan Iverson would have been a great soccer player. It's like Alan Iverson loved watching him play. He's 5'10", right? There's a lot of 5'10 people out there. I know he's fast. Um, I know he's skilled, blah, blah, blah. LeBron is just rare, even amongst his peer group, in that he has the size, speed, the strength, the agility all together, and and the durability, right? He's proven that. Um, Well, he'll prove that when you guys are at the Cantina in Cabo in a few, few days. Going shot for shot. Yeah, so like when you say LeBron, you're not just saying average NBA player or average professional ball sport player. Like you're right. talking about one of the most very... physical freaks of all time. Yeah, which is why you could say like with a straight face, you could be like, well, how good would I don't know pick a physical freak in track and field? Well, like. Could Usain Bolt be an NFL wide receiver, right? You could say that with a straight face because you're like, well, he's really tall and really fast, probably pretty good. Yeah, like right? if he had trained, if that's what he wanted to do. And... But that's not the same conversation as like, would an Olympic sprinter be able to be an NFL player? Now, Usain Bolt is different than yes. every, every other sprinter. LeBron is different than virtually every other athlete out there. So that's why I think, yeah, I think 8,000 would be. I, I think he would have the, flown the by floor. that probably. Well, that's just it. I think that, that, that would be the floor. But yeah. like, but then you get to the, like we talked about when we were discussing, is like, are some of his assets hindrances, i.e. his his height, right? 
weight, he if he was training for it his whole life, he could get in the ideal shape. But I think when people talk about Grant Holley being an excellent decathlete because he did multi, he's done multi events before, um, it's on the strength of what jumps, <laughs> hurdling, and sprinting. Now Grant Holley's six three, LeBron is six nine. So yeah. a little bit different, but LeBron would obviously pick up some stuff in the in the throws. Yeah, that that he wouldn't have. But I think I think the height would would definitely be the the only question mark I would have. Yeah, he'd have a couple weaknesses, but everybody kind of does, and he would be better than. I mean, I, you know, I I think he would. I think he would absolutely like compete for championships. Like he would be in 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 the conversation for that, if that oh, wow. was just his whole life goal. And may, maybe I'm a, totally wrong on that. And I am a LeBron hater, so I'm not, uh, you know, favoring him. I just think if you're that, like that much of a physical freak and that just athletically gifted, like you're gonna be pretty good at it. the thing that's just the decathlon is just a show for the just the most insane athletes mm-hmm. like to do these crazy impossible things. And it's like, yeah, he's probably the type of guy who would really, really excel in something like this. So I Googled tallest decathlete because I'm being diligent with my research. And apparently Jürgen Hingsen of Germany. Well, it's the first one that pops up. I don't know if he's actually the tallest. He was says six foot seven. Okay. And he, he scored 8,800 and he got second in 84. Okay. Yeah, I think that's six seven. Though it's not six nine. No, but that's that's in the right that's in the right ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, it would be it would be really interesting. It's like I said the. I'm not saying he would he would set the world record or and maybe he would who knows but like that's pretty much every. I don't think he would set the world record. No, no I don't. I don't think he would either. But I'm just saying like there's always I guess the chance of anything happening, but. It's the case in every sport. You know, it's not just because you're great at something doesn't mean make you great at another thing. But also, the best basketball player in the world may or may not be playing basketball. Like they might be the best handball player in the could world be, right now, and we don't could know. Could be Marvin Bracy. I don't know. Could be Marvin Bracy. Could be. We don't know. Kevin Mayer's six one. Ashton Eaton about six one. Is that right? Yeah, I mean that right? seems like the ideal size but yeah because you got to get over the damn hurdles right you got to get around the track in the 400 you got to I think it'd be easy to get over the hurdles if you're 69 okay that's a bad example <laughs> you got to you got to run the 1500 you yeah, got to that that's where it yeah that's that's where I'm I'm 100% with you that's that's tough. Well, I guess the other I I just think as I said before I think he'd be solid in the long jump I think he'd be solid in the high jump and I think he'd be pretty dang good in the throws Yes, uh, I actually think he'd be worse at like straight sprints and stuff like that. Like I, I think he's fast. He would have, but he would have the most unorthodox scoring pattern yeah. in decathlon history. Like the events wouldn't line up as to oh, this is the profile for somebody who's good. But it's like when you have the when you're talking about really technical events, and there are technical events in the decathlon, it's hard to hypothesize because it just it takes so many hours of practice yeah to do and you just don't know how they're like 
how is he going to take to the pole vault? I don't know. I, I just yeah. I don't know. I no Sometimes idea. you see, you know, Steph Curry. You see Steph Curry swing a golf club, and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But then you see yeah. Charles Barkley swing a golf club, and you're like, oh, oh, that's that also weird. Makes sense. Okay, <laughs> so like it's it would make sense if all of these guys just picked up other sports and they were great at them all the time. And some of them, that is the case. And then sometimes you watch the celebrity basketball game and you're like, oh, Usain Bolt, not a natural basketball player. Great. Fine. Like, yeah. it's like yeah. those kind of things. It, it's, it, it seems like it should translate. And of course, with hundreds of hours of training, it would make a big difference. But mm-hmm. it's some guys, it just, for whatever reason, certain things stick and other things don't. So you're saying 8,500? I feel yeah. That's my that's my mean. Someone write in. We'll put this t- conversation to rest because I know people might be getting tired of hearing about it. But someone write in with like an actual analysis. Yeah, like a well thought out, like kind of what we attempted to do the first time, but then I made him like the greatest shot putter of all time somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. It's it, it like I said, it's 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 unprecedented because of his size and everything else. But yeah. All right, here we go. Next up, let's let's talk to. Well, Luke has. Oh man, this is some cycling stuff. Here we go. I understand that Chief believes Wayne Gretzky is quote better at his sport than any person has ever been at their sport, and will not be convinced otherwise. I disagree. Ooh. Enter Edward Luis Joseph Baron Merks. Rhymes with Irks. A.K.A. Eddie Merckx, A.K.A. The Cannibal. Oh, man. Eddie Merckx is a retired Belgian cyclist whose professional career lasted from 1965 to 1978, during which he won a record 11 Grand Tours, including a record five Tour de France's, five Giro de... Okay, he won a lot. All right. A 64 Grand Tour stage wins, five all-day monument races. And he goes on and on about all the things he won. He won all five races twice, a record tying three world championships, broke the one-hour record on the track. No, Mo Farah has that. Sorry, Luke. <laughs> And Stefan Hassan. Uh, he's nicknamed the cannibal because he ate people. No, okay, because he wouldn't let anyone else win. <laughs> I was like, that's an underrated part of Eddie Merckx's biography. Because he wouldn't let anyone else win, including his own teammates. Well, isn't that the point of – okay, anyway. Uh, it's cycling. In it's total – you know. Yeah, it's cycling. In total, he had 287 professional wins, which includes one-day races and individual stage wins according to pro cycling stats. To put that in perspective, Mario Cipollini – has the second most pro wins at 167, just claiming wow. one career win is rare for professional cyclists. I know Chief won't change his mind, but maybe some other listeners will. Come to the dark side. We have bikes. <laughs> Stay safe and healthy. Luke, P.S. My ankle is feeling better and preparing for a 5K time trial on the track soon. Well, good luck with that. He says he also forgot to mention that Merckx has also won four grand tour double. I mean, he's just making up events. <laughs> triple, quadruple, double Lindy. Cycling's unofficial triple crown. I hate it when it says such and such is the unofficial whatever. It's like the unofficial fourth, fifth major. It is or it isn't. Come on. Uh, no riders won all three grand tours in a single year. While he does share several records with other riders, the riders with whom he shares those records do not repeat. For example, Stephen Roche, the only other rider to have won a triple crown, never won a monument. The reason why Merckx is so incredible is because one-day races generally don't win stage races and vice versa. Okay, I get that point. That I understand. I've watched enough tour to understand that. He has a record number of wins in both types of races. Okay, there's the argument for Eddie Merckx. Yeah, the gap between 287 and 167, that's impressive. Um, yeah. Do you know who's the greatest athlete of all time? I realized a couple hours ago. Shelly and Fraser Price. That's <laughs> Done. Let's, let's settle it right there. It's over. Uh, 
I guess he's saying because he's good in others, like not just the tour type stuff, but the one day stuff, which is like a different event. It's hard to compare that because Gretzky's just, he's good at hockey. That's what right. He does. Yeah. And it's, it's, not, like, it's I guess, not like, oh, I'm also good in field hockey. I guess the thing for, for Gretzky is like, oh, he was a great goal scorer and a great assist. You know, he was, he was. Yeah. Both, but you're but. out there in the ice, you're skating around with a puck. It's all part of the same game. Yeah. The tour's like, do you do this thing for three weeks or do you do it for one day and a couple hours? It's pretty different. Uh, Marshall wrote in, I noticed that the New York City trials of miles that Russell Dinkins, yes, that Russell Dinkins, who has saved multiple track and field programs this year, won one of the heats of the 800-151. Then I saw you at 148 at the Portland Track Festival and checking out his T-first page, his PR from the 2017 U.S. Champs of 148.10 where he finished 18th in the prelims. While he was at Princeton, he was on their 2013 Indoor National Champion DMR team and was a five-time Heps champion at 31. He's running blazing fast on the track, saving D1 track programs, and his J job, which he lists on his LinkedIn profile, is, quote, I am an athletic recruitment education consultant, a creative strategist, and an elite track and field athlete who helps individuals and organizations better leverage their talents to produce awesome outcomes. Not sure where he falls on the trials qualifying list, but it'd be pretty cool to see him race in Eugene. Yeah, Russell's an amazing guy. I had the opportunity to interview him for the Flow Track podcast. Been super involved in saving programs that have been cut during the last year. Uh, let's see, Clemson, Minnesota, William and Mary, Brown. I might be missing one, but there's been at least Nebraska. four, I believe. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, Force Nebraska's habit. not. Force they have not cut it. Yeah, uh, and each time they come up with a strategy that works, and each time the AD says we are not going back on our decision, and each time Russell Dinkins gets involved and they go back on either all or most of their decision. It's what he's doing is, is amazing. And he's a damn good runner too. got that DMR title. I love it. Marshall. Yeah. Amazing. Marshall also wrote in about the festival of miles recap, which he says is by far and away the best day each year in St. Louis, but there were no concession stands this year. Sorry. I had to rip on St. Louis for the Cardinals. I'm sorry. It was just couldn't help myself. Is Tony LaRusso still the coach of the Cardinals? No, he's the coach of the White Sox. Wait, Which, when did that happen? Oh man! You, so years ago? This no, like no, no. This thing? is this is new, and everyone was kind of like, "What the hell are you doing, White Sox?" Because he's buddies with the owner. But basically, the White Sox have this super fun, talented team. <laughs> Not anymore. And yeah, so that there was this big thing that happened, and man, I, I should have texted you when this happened because it would have it was so in your wheelhouse. Um, but basically, the White oh, Sox... Oh, with the guy. The guy who hit the ball. Yerman Mercedes. Yeah, with... I read a whole article about this. Yes. I was send the article to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, way to go, Tony LaRusa. So, there's an article... I read articles about baseball when they surface to very, very mainstream publications. Right, yeah. That, article... that did become a pretty big story. So, there's an article in The Atlantic. This is, this is a tangent. I'm sorry for everybody. Uh, the Atlantic Baseball. Baseball is broken. Or why baseball isn't fun anymore. And there's this line in here. This is how this guy, the author, takes some liberties. Uh, he has a strong editorial voice. He describes, oh man, where is this? The, the way he describes Tony LaRusso was hilarious, and I was going to send it to you. Um, but yeah, it's all based off of the. Explain the thing real quick. So basically, the White Sox were blowing out uh, the Twins. And. So the Twins brought in Williams Acedito to pitch, who's a position player, a catcher, 
among other things. And so he's throwing up like 50 mile per hour balls. Like, you know, it's just one of those things like, hey, let's just get this game over with because it's a blowout. And so it's a 3-0 count. And apparently in the unwritten rules of baseball, it's poor form to swing at a 3-0 when you're up big in the game. Uh, But Yerman Macedes, this uh, guy who's having a monster year for the White Sox, uh, and wasn't like this super highly touted prospect decided, uh, Hey, I'm going to swing on this and hit a ball like a mile off this like 50 mile per hour ethos pitch. And, um, you know, so the other team gets mad, which fine. The other team can get mad because they're just mad. They got, you know, their asses kicked. But the thing was after the game, Tony LaRussa basically talked about how wrong his player was and how that's not the way we play. And, uh, he just kept throwing him under the bus over and over and over. And it's, uh, I think what you want to do with a young up and coming star is really make sure that he knows you're not on his side. Well, and the interesting thing that happened was the people on his team took the player side. Of course. They supported the player and not grumpy got, man. His coach got mad at him because he hit a home run. <laughs> think about how insane that is. Yeah, I can't find this. Oh man, that was this description. But they, in the same article, though, it goes through like traces baseball history, recent history, and about like the fun police basically coming every single time there's something cool. And this is the way he describes Greg Maddox. Uh, wait, where does it? Dang it! Um, the unhittable Atlanta Braves dork Greg Maddox, with his dad bought in five o'clock shadow, was spinning shutouts every start and teaching junior high physics in between. That was a great line. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's from uh, Devin Gordon is the author. Baseball is broken. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? Tony LaRusso? Oh, St. Louis. Marshall. Here's the email. Start off with the kids' mile, which was one in 532. However, back in 31st place at the young age of seven was Lachlan Willis, who ran 719. For those scoring at home, Lachlan is Nick Willis's son. There you go. Uh, junior high girls' mile, Marley Turk of Des Moines closed in a 71 to win in 506. Junior high boys mile, Preston Stenslund, also of Iowa, knocked out a 71 after sitting on his teammate for the first two laps to win a 451. This is great. This is a great, uh, really granule level recap here. Fan favorite race of the night, the one I want to talk about, Jason. High school mascot 400-meter dash. Yes. For some reason, he says people in St. Louis really care where you went to high school and judge you based on where you went to high school or where your kids go to high school. It was a large field, 15 competitors with a waterfall start. Eddie the Eagle of Wentzville took out the race. Hard for the first hundred, but was soon gapped by the Parkway North Viking. Late entrant, the Kirkwood Pioneer and PJ the Panther. With 200 to go, the Parkway North Viking had a step on the field. In the next hundred meters, PJ the Panther took a lead, although he had to carry his tail in one hand. With 100 to go, the Parkway North Viking found another gear and moved to the front, but the Kirkwood Pioneer made a hard move to move out to lane three. It's hard to see through those mascot heads. And briefly edged to the front. With victory slowly slipping away, the Parkway North Viking made one final push and claimed victory in 100.91, with the Kirkwood Pioneer finishing in 101.47. However, the Parkway North Vikings' victory must include an asterisk as his costume is only the mascot head. He was otherwise mm. running in shorts and a t-shirt. Meanwhile, all their mascots earned full regalia. I, I love that they did this. I am shocked that it was a 400 and not a 100. Like, you made them run turns and stay in lanes? Like, that's that's insane. Or I guess not lanes, because it was a waterfall start. But still, like, that's... It's got to be so hard to do. Like, a straight line 
all about it. And actually, this is even better because I would I would enjoy watching this. But it seems it seems crazy that they made them do this. But uh, he also adds about the elite mile at the end of the night. He says that pitted Olympic medalist Nick Willis, who commented to me before the race that quote It's nice to be able to drive to a meet for once against a slew of people I'd never heard of. Also, the race also there was Scott Smith, who was aiming to become the sixth man to run a sub four mile and a sub two ten marathon. That's a cool oh, distinction. That is a cool list. Yeah. The sixth man. I mean, Iliad Kipchoge? Who are the other five? I'm kind of curious. You'd think that would be a... Bekele? Bekele, for sure. Kip- Mo Farah? What's... Kip- yes. Um... Galen Rupp? Yeah. Four. Man, that's an elite list. Ryan Hall. Oh, Gabriel Salasi. Ryan Hall never broke four. He did. You remember? Oh, I, I know he got in like four hundred one in high school or whatever. I just assumed he did. And then never went back to it. And then there was that point in his career when he was in go, jumping from one training method to the next. Yeah. When he was like, I'm gonna train to like break four in the mile and get some speed back. And then I think he ran one mile. Yeah, his mile PR is four hundred five. Actually, wow! Oh wow! I thought he went faster than that in high school for some reason. Three forty-two in the fifteen hundred, though. Mm. So I'll, I'll give him that. But this would have been an elite list to be on in any event. Uh, they went out one fifty-nine to flat for the first eight eight oh nine. John Davis was in the front, held the lead three hundred to go. When Brent Meyer, who grew up in Southeast Missouri, made his move to the front, coming off the home stretch, there were six guys in contention with Meyer still in the lead. Willis, who was surprisingly boxed in on the rail, tried to move outside, but was slightly tripped up with 80 to go and ultimately caused his downfall. With a closing quarter of 56.5, won the unheralded former D2 champ from Fort Hayes State. Brent Meyer held on for the win in 356.71. John Davis, Bryce, Richard, Nick Willis were the next year across the line. Um, ultimately, I think Willis's poor positioning cost him a victory in 5K. Scott Smith, unfortunately, was unable to capture any Festival of Miles magic after coming through the 809 meters in two flat. He visibly started to pick up a fridge at 900 meters, try as he might to unhitch the plow. Agony and despair deepened across Smith's face as he labored through the last 700 meters, running 413. Oof. That's a positive split for you. Yeah, Overall, an incredible meet. Uh, he says they even flew out Monzano to be there. Nice. Uh, that's Marshall in St. Louis, formerly of Iowa. <clears throat> thank you, Marshall. Yeah, thanks for the recap. That's, uh, that sounds fun. Man, that is, yeah, too flat. First open, and then you run four thirteen. So two, and then basically two thirteen. That's painful. Ouch! I can feel that in my legs, Jason. Does not feel good. Doesn't feel good at all. Yeah, I mean, I would love to have run four thirteen at any time in my life, but uh, yeah, not that, that's not that way. <laughs> Houseofrunnergmail.com is the email address. We gotta go. We gotta get this uh, posted up. You gotta pack. Yeah. You got to get out there. Mark Gasol is waiting for you with a cold drink in hand. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for recording early. Um, yeah, hopefully. Well, I can't believe we're previewing the Olympic trials next next spot, but uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Thanks to the track world for giving us stuff to talk about on a Saturday night. For once, it, we're all, it all came together. All right, have a good trip. We'll talk to you guys next week. Jessica Ennis, see you in Cancun with Montrez Harrell.